And welcome back, everyone, to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Another big week for the Blues, depending on which way you look at it. Um, here to join me, as always, I have my two trusty co-hosts, Andres and Sam. Sam, I'll start with you first. How you feeling this week? It's been a long time since I've been here, Zach. You guys have recorded a couple episodes without me. I know that uh, I was definitely missed by the listeners. I've been extremely, extremely busy with work. Uh, haven't been 100% dedicated to keeping up with Chelsea, but I think I picked a pretty good time to stop, to, to take my hiatus because it hasn't been the best of times for Chelsea, but, uh, and thankfully I didn't have to wake up for the Sunday match. <laughs> uh, I didn't have to witness that, that debacle, but yeah, glad to be back. Andres, how are you doing? Uh, not so good, so I'm not so good. I'm I'm starting to believe that maybe Chelsea's bad form is because you haven't been on the podcast. So maybe no, this I, will be. Uh... What I was gonna say is it's a good thing that Sam hasn't been on the podcast because he would have basically just been regurgitating what me and you have been saying the last couple shows. I mean, I think we've all been in relative agreement that we've been shit as of late. Sam, do you do you uh, do you have a differing opinion? Uh, I think I think I'm with Andreas. Um. I'm back for the final stretch and mm. here to put Chelsea back into good form. Uh, I know we have a couple, you know, about a week and a half until that FA Cup final against against Liverpool. That's the big match remaining left on our schedule. I mean, obviously we're still fighting for top four, but as far as, like, how important these matches are, like, I don't think, like, we really need... Just one or two like wins out of our last four to secure that top four spot. And at this point, I don't care if we finish third or fourth. Like if if Arsenal passes <laughs> us, yeah, it's gonna be we it's gonna, it it's, gonna it's gonna be <laughs> the bed. yeah it's gonna be you know it's gonna hurt the ego for sure. But you know it it's. The, the the important match is the Liverpool match. And as Andreas likes to say frequently, we're a, we're a cup club. We only play well when we're in, a, you know, we have something to lose. And when it comes to, you know, league matches, it seems like the team does not just, just doesn't. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but... Well, last then, time you were on the pod, Sam, I think we were talking about comfortably being in third. And now, like you just said, we're in a top four race. There's actually a mm-hmm. chance that we can drop out oh, yeah. if we can <laughs> shit the bed like we have been. Yeah, I mean, look, we got Wolves, Leeds, Leicester, and Watford to finish the season. So it's not – it's all four of those matches should be winnable. Like, we should win all four, but you and I know very well that we're going to draw points in in those next four (laughs) matches. I don't know what's going to happen. I think we're safe. silver lining, April is over. Okay. Just saying. We never do well in April. It's done. True. No, I'm looking at it as the season's almost over and we can just fucking move on. Well... 
not just things that. Things are starting. Things are starting to turn, take a new, a new turn. Isn't that right, Song? Yeah, not just that. We uh, looks like we finally found our new owner, uh, Todd Bowley, his uh, and his consortium. Their bid was reportedly chosen. Uh, the deal is reportedly supposed to be for 4.4 billion U.S. dollars per Mark Kleidman of Sky. Uh, Billions. 4.4 billion U.S. dollars. The dollar is strong. Uh, According to Mark Kleiman of Sky, he says, Sources close to Todd Bully's consortium said that it has offered a total price that was slightly higher than the 4.25 billion pound uh, publicly pledged by Sir Jim Ratcliffe for Chelsea. Um, So, of course, Jim Ratcliffe... Uh, notably the richest man in all of England, a guy that we mention as a possibility without any concrete rumors when mm-hmm. the, at the very beginning of this debacle. Uh, but he did come in, submitted a last-minute bid of more than $5 billion U.S. dollars, but apparently the bid was not accepted because they did not submit it through Rain Group, but it hasn't been ruled out completely should the Bully bid collapse. Um, so, uh, one other last tidbit: um, Nizar Kinsella reported on the Light uh, London is Blue podcast. Uh, he said, "There's now an opportunity to address Chelsea's stadium issue. I know that Todd Bully's people have been talking with the same architects." That had Roman Abramovich's vision for the new stadium. So, Andreas, I'll start off with you. What are your thoughts on Todd Bowley and the overall status of this of this deal? I'm happy, man. I think this was my like you. Funny you mentioned it. Before any bidder was out there, my dream owner would have been Jim Ratcliffe. Uh, that's who I had pitched early on, but for some reason he decided not to go through the due process so shame on him for that but out of all the bidders going into the rain group Todd Bowley's seemed to be the most concrete and thoroughly planned project Uh, we know that the main owner is going to be some sort of uh, firm like I'm I'm blanking on on who the firm is but Todd Bowley is sort of going to be our Roman Abramovich right he'll be the day-to-day leader he brought in um, a sort of land development expert into this whole thing who's going to be the one heading the the stadium part of things. And, I mean, this guy tried buying Chelsea before, so he kind of knew what he was trying to get himself into. And, I mean, I'm not going to complain about a, you know, a guy who's made the the Dodgers what they are right now which is an absolute behemoth in recent history. And yeah, I mean, so far everything's been positive. There hasn't been any, in my book at least, any sort of black sheep moment or any sort of bad news or bad PR that's been linked to the Bowley Consortium. So I'm all for it. This is this is a kind of best case scenario in my book. I mean, obviously I'm happy. Um, my American bias is happy too, but... 
I, I the main reason why I'm happy is that this thing is almost over. We're we're finally starting. Hopefully, I don't want to speak too soon, but it does seem like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Finally, so all of this uncertainty and nervousness and just generalized anxiety surrounding the club can finally go away once this thing you know gets gets pushed across the line and is made official. Um, like Andres touched on, I, I'm feeling positive about this move um, mainly because you see what he's. I mean, granted, he wasn't the only one that was doing, you know, that made the Dodgers where they are today. Um, but he has shown a willingness and a know-how to build a winning team and to build a winning franchise. And I think if if his track record at the Dodgers tells us anything, it's just that. So in terms of the in terms of um, you know the com the competitive spirit, you know, the overall drive to win trophies and to win games and to not just be you know a business is really encouraging and that was that was honestly the main thing that i wanted out of this new owner was this similar mindset to roman when he was running things where it was purely to win um you know i i want that competitive spirit and competitive drive i'm sick and tired of losing matches so hopefully a new owner will you know bring that winning spirit back into the team but also bring some stability into the club um which i think is even more crucial now more than ever you know you look at everything all the surrounding circumstances and it's just it just hasn't been good to be a Chelsea fan this season I mean let's be honest granted it does sound kind of silly because we did win some trophies um but just overall this this uncertainty has has put such a great weight on all of our shoulders I think I think we could all you know finally be relieved once this thing gets done so I know maybe you guys can touch on it a little bit more um I I'm not going to lie. I didn't do as much research as I probably should have. But from what I understand, we have until May 31st before that license is up. Um, and I know they have five days. The Bowley Consortium has about five days to finalize the paperwork, things like that. And then I believe the next step is getting the approval from the rest of the Premier League, right? Uh, Don't they have to do some sort of vote or due diligence to... I think that's part of the next five to seven day step. Um which apparently is going to be streamlined, if I'm not mistaken. I'm I'm forgetting who the main owner is. If you guys can help me out here, the the capital firm or, or whatever it's called, not not the Ring Group, they're the bank do? that's holding it. It's within within the Todd Bowley Consortium. It's the main financial. The Swiss group. the Swiss Group. I don't know what it's called. <clears throat> no, 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 no. I'm. It's a firm. I that that was the one thing that kept popping up this week is that this firm is is a faceless organization and they're the the primary what was that eldridge sure <laughs> I, the point is that that was the big concern is that as a faceless corporation but apparently like the second in command has stepped up and said that he has is a huge football guy which is why he convinced the firm to put down the money and so that's kind of that was like the one red flag i guess they were trying to find so i think from my understanding for the to the next for the next five to seven days, we should be good to go. It, are, it would are you talking about clearly, to... clearly capital? Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm th talking mm. about. Um, but I believe in the next week, this should be sorted out, is, is what I kept reading. Yeah. I mean, I clearly, hope so, because sorry, if but... it's not... Sorry, sorry, Sam. Because if it's not, then, then they'd have to look into extending that license past the 31st of May, which would be crucial. We have a because... whole month. Yeah, 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 but... It's not going to be as simple as, you know, a four point whatever billion dollar financial transfer. I, I just don't see it happening in a week. 
I think it's going to drag. I out mean, they've been bit. they've been dragging this on for a month already. I'm sure that they've been <laughs> having to show proof of funds all all the way through. I guess you're. Uh, right. I, I, I guess the message is that we should be glass half full. I've been happy. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, this isn't like a oh hey they bought it and it was like a overnight thing. I mean, Bowley's been going to matches. He's been meeting with the pitch owners. It's it's been a long process, honestly. Um, I think like you mentioned something like the Premier League being the last bit. I think it's just the UK government trying to understand how the where the funds are going to go since Roman is still sanctioned. Right. So like, is it going to go to a holder account? How much is going to go towards the war? How much is going to go towards, I believe, some uh, hey, look as far, charity. as far as I know, that charitable foundation hasn't even been set up yet. So, right. I mean, my initial my initial hunch that it was just, you know. He was just saying it to say it remains true. Until he sets up that fucking foundation, I'm not going to believe it. I mean, I know for, all a lot we know, conspiracy th- for all we know, that it has been, but there's no way for us to know. But um, Clear Lake Capital, by the way, is like a, it's a pretty large PE fund. Uh, they're actually based here in LA. I think they're like in Santa Monica. So um, a lot... <laughs> I'm really excited for the the potential of Chelsea coming to LA for for um, some some friendlies. So I'm excited about that. Uh, that's that's definitely a huge we'll possibility. Oh yeah. Um, if, if 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 they're in LA, we'll be there. Oh, hundred percent. I'm I'm buying tickets <laughs> the second they drop. Andres is flying over for that one. hundred <laughs> percent. Are they playing in Vegas this summer? They haven't confirmed it yet. It's Orlando so far against Arsenal, oh, and then yeah. there's two more. There's two more matches, I believe, a second one in Orlando, and then another one hasn't been disclosed yet. Oh, really? If they if they do it in Vegas, I'll be there, too. That would be sick. At the new, either one, uh, you and Raiders. Prosh both. Yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do a meetup. He, he said, said he said he would go if it's in Vegas. Oh, we'll do a meetup yeah, with sure. anyone else who's uh, a listener. If if it's confirmed to be Vegas, we'll do a meetup for sure. Yeah, hundred um, <laughs> percent. Uh, yeah, I, I think Zach said he's down to buy a table, so yeah, <laughs> we'll do that. Um, so let's let's move on from the positive and get into the negative, shall we? <laughs> let's talk about this Everton matchup. Good old Frank uh, getting his. Uh, you know, final final blow against us. Uh, we kind of owed him this. I don't know how upset I am about the loss. You know, we extended his uh, his tenure a little bit. Do you think Do you think he's staying on next year at Everton? Probably not, huh? I don't know if there's any details in his contract that have like a relegation clause where he can be relieved of his duties if they're relegated, so he can find another gig. I have no idea. Is it but not, I think if he goes is it, down, is his contract not just till the end of the season anyway? I'm not sure. I'm sure it I is. I think he would do all right if they went to the championship. I mean, I think, he did well with Derby. Personally, I think he should stay if they go down to the championship. Agreed. There's going to be a big exodus of players, and then that's going to allow him to sort of build his own team from scratch. If he's smart, that's what that's what he does. Unless, you know, it, listen, if another Premier League team comes knocking... Like next season, if Burnley stays up and they want to hire Doubt Lampard, <laughs> no one is, relic. no one is, no one's hitting up Frank Lampard. I'm sorry. 
Um, let's talk about the starting 11. Um, we lined up in a 3-4-1-2. Uh, Mendy in goal, a back three of Dave, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Reese James as right uh, wing back, Alonso as the left wing back, Jorginho and RLC as the double pivot, then Mount at the 10, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner up front. Yikes to those to those two. Um, so I think the the first place we need to talk, uh, the first thing we need to talk about is Tuchel's team selection. So there's only one change from the lineup that started against United, uh, and that was RLC in for N'Golo Kante, and just doesn't look like. You know, we, when he first initially put out this formation and this lineup, it looked really good. But it appears that teams have figured out how to stop it. And it's just it just clearly hasn't worked. So, Zach, I'll start off with you. Why do you think Tuchel just keeps on selecting the same fucking team over and over again? <laughs> I, think, I think there's a bigger issue at hand that we haven't really talked about because... I mean, whenever we talked about Tuchel, it's only been praise. And I think he rightly should get criticized in this situation. I don't necessarily know if the dressing room is 100% stable. I mean, we know that there are certain players that are definitely on their way out. They've already agreed to pre-contracts, if not already signed other contracts. Um, There are players who are being left out of the team, players like... Polisic and Ziesh, who are probably the two most blatant victims of this formation change. Um, you know, we, we, we had our combination of injuries and square pegs and round holes. Loftus Cheek had to play wing back for the longest time, but I don't understand why we keep selecting the same team week in and week out. You know, I know Timo had his little burst of form for those three matches or so, but he lost his form just as fast as he gained it. Kai looks exhausted. He looks like he's completely void of any sort of energy. I mean, he had a run of five or six matches where he started every single match in a row, and we were playing twice a week. So maybe a little squad rotation in that sense. And dare I say it, if you're going to get a tune out of Lukaku, this might have been the match to do it. You're playing against your former club. Do you not want to prove a point here? You know, instead of opting with the same strike partnership that's just been completely stale. And Sam, to answer your question, I think this is why. One of this is probably the main reason why this formation has been completely stifled. It's because Kai and Timo have been ineffective as of late, especially Timo. Timo is, I mean, granted, he did catch his form and that was great and all, but he couldn't maintain it. And the second his form drops off, you need to find solutions instead of playing the same guy over and over and over. It just seems like Tuchel's lost that lost his sense of creativity, I guess, in terms of you know trying to fix solutions on the pitch. You know, he, he he mentioned after the match, the issue wasn't our attack. It's the fact that we're conceding goals. I understand that. But you can concede one goal, and it's still expected that we need to win the match, regardless of who we're playing. We're Chelsea Football Club. You're telling me we can't score more than one goal against a team like Everton, and the issue is that we're conceding? It's The issue's up front. We're getting absolutely nothing from those guys right now, and I think a little squad rotation might do. Let's bring back that front three. Let's get Pulisic and Ziyech in. Pulisic hasn't had a fair run. I know we're going to get to it. But I want to talk about Ziyech. 
The guy caught form mid-season. He was absolutely on fire. At one point, we were saying that they should build the attack around him, and then he gets benched because the formation gets completely changed. And when he still comes on as a sub, the signs are still there. The hunger from him is still there. He looks like he can offer something a little different. So why not just switch things up? When I pulled when I pulled out my phone, the match was at 6 a.m. L.A. time. I woke up around, what, like 5.55, five minutes before kickoff, checked the lineups, and I, I, I thought I was looking at the Man United match. I went back on my phone and realized, oh, shit, he put, actually put out the same fucking lineup. I couldn't believe it. Andres, I mean, I, I'm going to keep going, but you could kind of jump in, give me your two cents. But I think it's that mainly – the main culprits is that front two. You have to find either – you either have to find a partnership that works with Kai because Timo is not the one-two punch that Kai needs, or you go back to that front three and put more bodies higher up the pitch. Nah, I, I just think, like, the moment – number one, the moment Kovacic went down, this formation went to shit. I think that we are not quick-thinking enough to progress the ball forward to allow for Kai and Timo to get into space and, and become dangerous, and even Mason Mount. I think it's great to have Reese James back. He's Even in a shit game, he still looks great at right wing back. I but, didn't think he had a good game at all, Reese. Well, Couldn't find I, anybody uh, with his crosses. Is that on him that nobody? No, was no, there? no, no. It's not. He, he's listen. He's it's okay if he has a bad match. I mean, he's been one of our best players all season. Uh, yeah, but there's more more to the starting eleven. That's an issue. I mean, RLC has never been good in a midfield two in this system. I mean, he literally changed in the FA Cup semis against Crystal Palace after 45 minutes to a three man midfield because RLC was so bad. Yet here we are forcing RLC in a two man midfield again. Then we talk about Kai and Timo. These two guys have been god-awful this month after having a good start in this formation. Yet here we are forcing the, the two striking partners, who, by the way, never connected in my – like, they were so far apart and have been in the last few matches. And our only win in recent history was when we switched back to a 3-4-3 with Ziyech, Pulisic, and Lukaku off the bench. So I'm not sure why Kai and Timo seem to get – all of this wiggle room and all of this room for error and Pulisic scores a winner out of nothing and can't get a start. Same thing with Lukaku. Honestly, I'm ready for Lukaku to start next match. I don't care that we're getting a week off. I think you go back to the 3-4-3 and you bench these guys. You yeah. have to bench these guys. They're not playing well. You're not all three again, or, you mentioned or just the, like including Mason Mount. No, I think Mason Mount has an argument to stay on the pitch. I, I think, think yeah, I think you too. drop Mount but, to the but midfield. But you still put it. No, 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 you still put the front three. Conte and Jorginho are going to get a full week off, and Kovacic too. You have your midfielders healthy in theory. Um, to me, it's a matter of benching the guys that aren't performing and and being uniform with that because they were playing like shit, and we didn't bring Lukaku on. And I'm not saying that I've been standing Lukaku all season, but he scored. He was, uh, he earned a penalty last time he came off the bench and your options on the pitch weren't doing shit. So that's, that's where I'm stuck right now. He had options on the bench. You're needing a goal and you don't bring on a striker. Like that's the, the most infuriating part of the selection. And, and like you said, Zach, not looking for the solution within the match. I, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, no, what, I, what were the changes? It was, Kovacic Pulisic came on. Yeah, Kovacic came on after half. 
Um, and then Ziyech and Pulisic came on. At the same time, for yeah. Timo and Kaya. And, and, no, and, and for Pulisic, Dave. Pulisic for even Aspen. played as like a wing-back for a little bit before he switched up top, and then Ziyech pulled out wide. It was it was the weirdest. Yeah, Kai Havertz stayed on the pitch the whole match. He didn't, he didn't get subbed off. Oh, yeah, off. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. It, was sorry. it was Dave, Dave that got subbed out. Dave, yeah. Uh, but the, I just want to quickly um, mention what you said about RLC because – I I honestly thought he played pretty well. I I think yeah. in the beginning, I think it took about 20 minutes for him to get confidence. But I just remember there's one dribble that he completed, and since that moment, he was definitely our best player at progressing the ball. At you know, I I thought that he had that one chance that that Pickford saved. That was going in if Pickford didn't have that insane reaction time. Um, I mean, he... Let's be honest. If Pickford doesn't have the unreal performance that he does, we're walking away with three points in this match. Um, I mean, given... You know, also to be fair, Everton did miss a lot of easy chances. Um, but also, the, the only goal they scored was off of a, of a fucking idiotic mistake. I, I saw I, I saw a stat, I think it was since last season, we have the second most errors leading to goal uh, with like 13. I forget who was first with 14, uh, but it's, it's, it was our inability, like, it's, it's just stuff like that that leads to us losing. And it sh- that shouldn't be the difference between three points and not winning, you know. Like you can yeah. you can you can talk about the error that Dave made, and you know maybe our defense isn't as as solid as it should be. But we didn't score a single goal. Like we're not winning this match until we score. And I understand that. Like you know after the goal, excuse the, my dumbass dog, but. Um, <laughs> You know, you can say that after the goal, the mat- whole match changes, but realistically, like we're just not we're not scoring. And I think a, a move to Lukaku, as much as I hate to say it, like that that's that's probably the right move off the bench. Look, it's not it, it's not a solution, but it's it's different. It's right. it's another you're throwing something else at the opposition because right now there is. There is a step-by-step rule book on how to defend this 3-5-2 for dummies when Kai and Timo are starting up top. It's it's a joke. And, and again, Lukaku at this point, like he is either earning his spot back at this club or he's earning a, a sale. Like Kai is the future, right? So if he doesn't perform right now, he's like, all right, I'm safe here. You need to protect him too. Kai. Right. He's yeah. he's 22. He's on a long-term deal. Like, he's staying. Lukaku, on the other hand, it seems like it's not a good match. He can either prove in the last few matches that he is a solution or bust his ass so that somebody does come in and put in a bid. So, again, I think that's the way to go. Is is that, we talked about Ziyech, like, you have to change something, even if it's not the personnel, at least change the shape and how we're going to go about moving. We have a full week off for the first time in who knows how long. 
So hopefully that helps out a little bit. But yeah, the, the selections have not been the best. And and even going back to the United um, match as well, I wasn't too fond of this formation once more. I think, once again, if Kovacic isn't starting, you have to give us a front three that's going to cause issues if we're going to have slow buildup. So, yeah, that's just my two cents without um, getting into the ballistic. Yeah, before we get into the ballistic thing, we did get a Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. Uh, he asked, is all the stress on the pending sale and the divorce getting to Tuchel? Uh, Andreas, what do you think? I mean, I I think there's... I think this month was just like a like the epitome of of just a bunch of shit kind of just finally blowing up. I think the injuries, the the load of, of matches we've been playing, the fact that Tuchel is going through a divorce, the fact that the club has still been sanctioned and slowly but surely that has affected what Stanford Bridge is like in home matches. Uh we had a very heartbreaking loss or or not loss but elimination against Real Madrid and it's not like Tuchel has referenced a lot of these could have been prevented if it wasn't for a mistake so I think yeah I think frustration is definitely coming I don't know if it's because of either of the two things that Ron pointed out but Tuchel like went straight to the locker room after this match and his his body language looked different he's tired man I get it like this season has not been easy. And even then I still think we're okay. It's just that the past month was such garbage that, you know, it's easy to, to just kind of get down on it. But think about what Tuchel has had to do ever since Putin decided to invade the Ukraine. You (laughs) throw on top of that, that he's going through, you know, a divorce. You throw on top of that now that people think that he somehow has any clue as to what's happening to the future of a billion, multi-billion dollar organization. Like, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, I get it. It's, I mean, I, I, we still love the guy. We're just going to start off with that. I think that goes for all three of us. We're not down on Tuchel. It's just that, like you said, Andres, the weight of the season has just worn him down. His body language reminds me, and I know this is this might sound a little far-fetched, but it reminds me of Frank's body language towards the end where he just looked completely deflated. Like he almost knew he was going to lose the match before the final whistle even blew. And that's the concern that I have with Tuchel because to me, he was the most demonstrative manager we had on a touchline since Conte probably. The guy's loud, he's on his feet, he's pointing and shouting and he's berating his players. I mean, that was one of the things that that we loved about him when he first came in was that he doesn't sit for the full 90. And if you're the wing back on his side, you're getting an earful the whole 45 minutes here on that side. And, and I, I think that could definitely be a, a you know, a, a big aspect on as to why we were successful early on. You know, if you don't have a confident manager and, a, a, you know, a leader that's showing that he, that he has faith and belief, who else is going to do it? It was Rudiger, but he's gone. You know, Dave is a shell of what he used to be, and he could possibly be gone. You know, our other captain, Jorginho, he could be gone. So who's going to bring out that fire and that hunger? Because the rest of this team is young, 
they're granted we have won the Champions League, but in the grand scheme of things, they're inexperienced in terms of winning leagues. Across a 38-match season, they're still babies. And I, I refuse to take any other argument than that because the proof is in the pudding. The wheels wouldn't have fallen off. Liverpool waded through the waters during AFCON, still got results. Man City, early on in the season, didn't have De Bruyne at all, still got results. Teams find ways to get these results. And I think, you know, you have the combination of youth, you have all the socio-political factors around the club. You know, obviously Tuchel's divorce, which is something we haven't mentioned, but let's not discount that at all. That's probably the biggest stressor and all. I mean, it's it's huge for someone to go through something like that. Yeah. In the wake of all life. this other shit that's going on. So uh, I know you mentioned how like other managers had the solution. I think it's a bit unfair. I, I, no, to no, no. That. I'm not saying other managers, Andres. I want to correct myself. It wasn't other managers. I'm talking about the players, the experience of the players across okay. a 38 game well, season. But, but again, think about those teams, right? I, I saw the stat this week where it said something along the lines that both Tuchel or sorry, both Klopp and Pep's current sides are 95% players that they brought in. Yeah. So you're you're talking about project clubs managers. that have a complete identity, regardless of who's on the pitch, versus us who have players from pre-Conte or Di Matteo. We have Di Matteo players still in here. We have Conte players, sorry players, Lampard players. Like the only Tuchel player is actually more of a Roman gimme, which was Lukaku. Who's Nobody a else. Here. Player? Um, maybe I went. To one I don't think we one. have any Di Matteo players. <laughs> he went a little too far him. back. Maybe I went. Yeah, I was like, damn. But but um, yeah. The point the point remains. Like Tuchel has no say so far on what's here, and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not trying to say like oh, our players are shit, but like. This is going to be the first incoming summer where we hope and we cross our fingers that he'll get to speak up of, of what he wants. And next year we can then make that argument that when somebody goes down, there should be somebody ready to take the weight. Well, if it makes everybody feel better, Tuchel did say that he's going nowhere. And that he plans on being here next season and working at just as hard next season. So, yeah. like, again, we're not down on him. It's just... It's just such. We shit. just want the season to everything end. to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but you heard what Carlo Ancelotti said, right? When uh, they were talking, he was talking about uh, the comments by PSG's. Uh, I forget who who at PSG was talking about uh, Mbappe. He said that Pochettino. you know, I think uh, yeah, it might have been Pochettino talking about it. Saying yeah, he was saying managers, you know, can't say the full truth during their press conferences, so. You know, you, you never know. You, you might yeah. be just saying what you want to hear. But uh, I think the one, like, just to, to wrap this up, the really concerning thing about Tuchel was some of his comments after the match where they were asking him, like, what, what different, like, what could he have done different? And he was like, if I knew, I would have done it. You know, he's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of putting the blame on the players and not on himself when I think we're sitting here and coming up with different solutions uh, and he's he's not seeing it so that that's a little bit concerning um, let's talk about Christian Pulisic a little bit because that 
is one of the possible solutions that we've been talking about or that I mentioned earlier. Uh, his dad tweeted after the match, since then it has been deleted. Uh, he posted a picture of, of Christian. He said, the sad thing is he loves the club, teammates, and London. Puts his heart and soul into being a pro. Onwards and upwards, my boy. S big six months ahead. Um, not the most like concerning or scathing tweet, to be honest. I I thought that everything he said was fair. Um, it's not like I don't know. I mean, for anyone who who watches uh, American football. Wasn't it OBJ, OBJ's dad tweeted about uh, uh, what's his face the Browns quarterback? Um, oh, Baker not Mayfield. Yeah, Baker yeah. Mayfield not targeting him enough, and then he ended up getting traded to the Rams. <laughs> I think that's what happened, right? So it's not quite like that. Um, but I'll start off with you, Zach. Do you think his feelings are warranted? Yeah, I think his feelings are warranted, but. I was so bummed out when I saw the tweet. Like, I, I, I feel differently than you, man. I don't think family members, agents, anybody other than the players should be talking about how they feel at the club. And to be fair to Christian, he, he's done everything a pro should do. He hasn't talked shit. He hasn't, you know, mentioned or hinted at any moves and pressers. You know, he he hasn't talked about his how much how miserable he is. The only time he's ever mentioned it, he's backed it up by saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to work and I'm just going to have to fight for my spot. He's been very professional about it. So this little hiccup that wasn't even his fault just kind of frustrates me. It's different if he goes out and says it, which I still wouldn't necessarily condone because I think, you know, there's a certain level of professionalism you have to have. If you want actually do want to be here, you don't say things like that. And I guess that's my point. So the fact that his dad was the one that said it, it's a little, it's not concerning. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Tuchel's, you know, going to hold it against him. The fact that his dad said this, because they're going to have private conversations and I'm sure they're going to iron it out. But it was just unfortunate that it had to come from him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But whether his feelings are warranted or not, I think is beside the point. You know, it, it's more the fact that it was just such bad timing um, whether or not, you know, you agree with his feelings or not, I, I, I just think it's irrelevant. You know, it's, for me, it's more the timing more than anything. Andres? Uh, I, I mean, I think the, the feelings are warranted and I think when his dad tweets it, it's just, he's obviously being a dad trying to like protect his son. But I think that these probably mirror what Polisic is truly feeling for sure. And I yeah. totally get it because Polisic, when he's given the trust in his position, has performed. He has. But then whenever he doesn't, he's punished heavily. And this isn't, again, I mentioned it earlier, it's not a uniform treatment across the board in this squad. You have players like Cho, who doesn't play well, misses sitters, and, and got, what, 11-something crazy amount of starts at left wing in a row. Um, even someone like Kai, who a month ago was probably on fire, this month has been crap, has started every single month or every single match. Pulisic scores a game winner, comes on off the bench, 
not in his preferred position. Again, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. And I think uh, what scared me mo- more than the tweet was that Fabrizio Romano came out and said that this summer, Ballistics Camp fully intends on having meetings about the future. As because I get it. Yeah, yeah why because it, it, it's time. I mean, Ballistics should be by now uh, a staple in a starting 11. And I firmly believe he should be one of the first names on this starting 11 when the formation is correct. And even now, when it's not correct, it should be altered because I don't think it can get any worse than what Timo is putting out or even Kai is putting out right now. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think. I think, yeah, his dad shouldn't be doing this. I mean, people do it all the time. I mean, Jorginho's agent two weeks ago talking about Juventus yet again. You see this all, all the time. Um, With the Pulisic thing, it's even more interesting because we're getting American owners now. So are we finally going to get to see preferential treatment towards Pulisic coming from the (laughs) people above Google? That's right. It could be something to look after and like, Sorry for any of our British and English listeners. Cho might be the the one that takes the hit, and Finally. so <laughs> we will see. We will see what happens. But I mean, I'm. I saw the tweet and I was like, I get it. I totally get it because that, my first question was, where the heck is Pulisic in this lineup? Why is it a two striker system once again? So. It's yeah. just one of those things where you kind of know in the back, you know how he's feeling. You just don't want it being made public like this. Just kind of bothered me, man. But is he is he gonna stay? Yeah, we have we have American owners. Is like, is there any doubt in your mind? Because because zero. I advocated, I agree with you. I advocated last pod. If you didn't listen, make sure you check it out. But I advocated that he was going to stay because of the American ownership. Sam, you didn't really uh, – I don't think you were on the pod where we discussed it. But no. what do you think? I mean, do you have any doubts? Oh, yeah. I have doubts for sure. Um, I mean, look, he's 22, 23 years old. He's still very young. I don't think he's necessarily entitled to a day-in, day-out starting 11 position at this age um you know if i know you look at a guy like kai havertz who's even younger at what 22 years old and he's getting more consistent playing time and he seems to have an even longer you know a a much longer leash than pulisic does uh but i think for me personally I wouldn't want ownership. I wouldn't want an ownership group to come in and have influence on what the manager does as far as team selection, in my opinion. And I'm hoping that when Bully comes in, he's he is going to be hands off with that because I mean he 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 probably isn't a a, a bas- I mean a soccer mind. You know, he, he probably is going to bring someone in to help him out with that, to advise him. But just because he's American, I don't think he's going to, you know, assert that influence over Tuchel when Tuchel has shown he knows what he's doing per, per his resume. Just how many titles, how many trophies he's won with Chelsea in just, you know, a year and a half. So if, 
if Pulisic finds a better offer with more playing time, I think he definitely leaves. But it just doesn't look like... And it's surprising to me that Tuchel doesn't have that trust in him because he did play under him at Dortmund. And, you know, they do have that... He left under him at Dortmund too, though. He favored Usman Dembele over Pulisic, which, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, probably wasn't the worst call ever. Right. But, I mean, that's that's why Pulisic sought out a move True. away from Dortmund. Okay, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a good point as well. But... It, and if that's the case, and if and if that's the case, I I'm I am on the side of him leaving this summer. Yeah, I, I was being more tongue in cheek about the thing. Like it's just again my frustration with not having a consistent way of of holding a tight leash kind of thing. Like um, at the end of the day, I I really don't think even if he wants to leave, I don't think he's going to get the move because this summer there's far more important sales to to have to happen than a Pulisic. Like we don't, we are not in a position to sell Pulisic right now. Um, like looking at that starting eleven, Rudiger is gone. Um, Alonso is probably getting sold. Dave, I honestly think it's like the Giroud thing. I don't see Dave being here next year. Jorginho, it's the question: Is it time to cash out on Jorginho? So, again, too many other moving pieces to where I really don't think you move Pulisic um, away, even if he requests it. Like, it's not up to him. He's under contract kind of thing. If it gets, like, sour like that. So, yeah, I I don't think he leaves this summer. I just hope his situation, you know, changes for for the better. And and just to be fair, to not sound super-duper biased, the same goes for a guy like Ziyech also, who when called upon and when he starts does look pretty damn good. And if we're playing the right system, you know, if Mount's not playing as that winger, Ziyech is the guy to play there. So I just don't want it to come off like we're being biased towards Pulisic. It's just that his dad made that tweet and I thought it'd be good to talk about him. But mm-hmm. like for Ziyech too, I think, you know, there's there's opportunity missed there. A guy that produced midway through the season looked like he was getting into some type of form, and all of a sudden the formation changes, and now he's out of the team again. All right, let's go to another Twitter question. This one is from Prash CFC Prashant, uh, one of our Bop Ultras. Uh, he says, "Do you guys honestly think we can bridge the gap with Broja?" or Broja, I don't know how to pronounce it, Broja and Kai next season without integrating a recognized striker? Or do you feel we can do it by getting an upgrade on the wings? Um, So I guess a two-part question, Andreas. Do you want to approach that however you like? Um, I think think the, the right move is playing a formation that gets the best out of everyone. I think you probably still need a striker if you want to win the league. I think that, again, in, in cup competitions, you can get results and adjust and, and kind of adjust to your your opponent. But in the league, you need a guy that's going to consistently bang them in. And right now, at this moment in time, that's not Kai. He's still 22. He's still growing. He's still improving. So I think you still need to find 
some sort of goals. Um, and I think, again, Kai operates better in this sort of free role. Now, it can come as a striker or as a winger. We don't know this because we have not given a system with wingers a full chance for long periods of time. Um, some of our better performances were with wingers. Uh, so, again, perhaps playing in a 4-3-3 where Kai is a false nine, you have perhaps a mount centrally operating as well. You have Siege and Polisic wide like they like to do. You have bombing fullbacks with hopefully a healthy Chilwell and Reese James. You bring in someone like a Declan Rice to allow these guys to also be more free-flowing and attacking. There, There's a lot of ways to go about this. I think at the end of the day, I think the issue to me personally is more about what's happening in center mid and and what those guys do to allow the front players to get into space and attacking. So honestly, I think can it be done through Kai and, and our current batch? Sure, but but the issue is not them. It's the issue is having the right midfield core that can get the ball to them quickly and, and be more of a facilitator rather than you know, uh, what it was that called in that thing in, in a band a that tells you the pace metronome. Thank you. A metronome. Yeah. I think I'm looking at it from a different perspective. So under Tuchel, he's already, you know, let Giroud go. Doesn't have a use for him. Sold Tammy. Didn't really favor him. The Lukaku signing, I think now more than ever, it looks pretty clear that it wasn't Tuchel's first choice. Does he even want, a natural recognized traditional number nine up there? Or is he trying to have a more fluid front three, which most of these modern front threes tend to be nowadays, which is, I think what Prash is hinting at with the, you know, goal scoring wingers. The problem is there would have to be a mass exodus for us to bring in enough goal scoring at the wing position for us to win the league if we don't want to get a recognized striker. To get a player like, you know, to use just as an example, a Salarm and Mane, you know, type, where they'll give you 15 to 20 goals a season and be that guy to step in and take on, you know, the bulk of, of scoring, it's going to be tough. I mean, who's out there in the market that we Dembele's can possibly get? on a get? free. Well, yeah, you got Dembele on a free, but again, he's not a, he's not going to set the world alight with goals. He's more of a provider. I think he lights it up with assists. And the nice thing is, we got a bunch of guys that can make nice passes, but nobody to get on the end of them. <laughs> so there's where you, either you need that goal-scoring winger or striker. I just don't think it's going to be a, a striker because based on what I've seen on from Tuchel so far, his playing style demands a lot. And, and most traditional nines aren't going to be willing to put in that type of work. And most traditional nines aren't going to be as comfortable with drifting out wide and dropping into the midfield like Kai does. So... I think Kai's. I think Kai's the guy there long term, of course. Um, so maybe, yeah, we do have to start building around those wingers. But again, it's a concern because you got to get two of those guys. It's not. It's not like we need just one player and then boom, we're going to win the league. You know, one winger isn't going to win you the entire league. Hazard needed Acosta, so I just don't know what other options there are out there. And plus, we've been playing Mason Mount as a winger too. This is something that just came to my mind. So, like, what do we do? What do we even do with Mount? Where's Mount's midfield three position? Midfield three. Yep, that's what I think. But when are we going to make that move? When are we going to phase that in? 
We have two wingers that don't get any playing time that when can slot in DM, on that side. Deck, when you get a true DM. Declan, please, buddy. Come on, man. Todd Bowley, baby. Shell it out. 75 million pounds. You know you want it. Um, According to Moyes, it's like 120 now. Oh, really? It's nah, up? dude. Okay. Frankfurt is going to pull through. They're going to eliminate West Ham. And Rice is going to say adios. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm going to go... Oh, that's their only. That's their only hope at. Uh, that's their only hope at European or, oh yeah, European football at all next year, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. actually, no. They're right now. They're in. Uh, if they win, if they win, they they're go in the, the Confederation way. Cup, I think. No, no, they're in Europa. Yeah, actually, no, Europa. They're in, they're in the. But they're down on aggregate. No, they're in Confederation Cup right now, or whatever it's called, Conference League. No, dude, they're in Europa. Promise. They're in the Europe. They're I'm in looking the at the Europe table Mars. right now. They're in seventh. Yeah, no. But if they win, but if they win the Europa League, they're in Champions League. I know. I'm saying that's their only way into it. They're got not, it. Got yeah, it, got yeah, it. yeah. Okay. They're. In, I'm talking. Yeah, that that that's their only way of making it in, um, if they yeah. win it. Right. Declan um, is not going to stick around to play against like. He he's Greek he's teams. He rejected three Olympiacos. extensions already, so West Ham has no leverage. Yeah, and I think Moyes is just trying to play it all down as he should. Shout but out it's, to, it's it's the typical transfer games. Shout out to my boy Kostic on uh, on Frankfurt. Um, <laughs> huge fan. So let's wrap up this episode. Talk about Wolves. You know the good thing about not being in Champions League is we get a full week between matches. This has been, it's it feels weird, having a full seven yeah. days off without a Chelsea match, but I'm thankful for it. Gives time for the players to rest up, gives me time to mentally heal after that <laughs> that awful awful showing against a, a very lowly Everton team. We lost we lost the last Everton matchup too, right? We lost both. We've we've lost a lot at Goodison. Um, <laughs> this I season, know. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they they beat us. I think we lost three to one. Yeah, so against a very lowly against relegation fighting. Okay, <laughs> Wolves right now sitting eighth in the Premier League. They're in pretty bad form, having lost three matches in a row to Newcastle, Burnley, and Brighton. Um, but in six matches against Wolves in the league. Um, we have two wins, three draws, and one loss. Um, but everyone knows that any team that is in bad form, Chelsea's the slump buster for sure. That's what we've been. That's what we've been so far. Uh, we t- we tend to get these teams out of their of their shell and uh, allow them to dominate us. But um, yeah, uh, anything to look out for that you guys wanted to mention about Wolves, Andres? Chelsea mistakes. <laughs> I don't yep. think Wolves does absolutely anything. It's going to be self-inflicted like it has been for the past month if we're going to fuck this up somehow. I <laughs> Wolves has nothing to play for. Everton at least had the, you know, they're in the relegation fight. They have to win. It was their home match. We're at the bridge they have nothing literally nothing to play for these guys are gonna be in the premier league again they are not gonna make it to a european spot like the only way they beat us honestly is another 
somehow blunder from either a center mid or a center back, that leads to another easy goal. Yeah, there's no excuse to lose this game. If if, if we if we lose this game, then we we're really down bad. So I'll just leave it at that. This is the least confident I've ever felt going into a, a match prediction, but I'll just kind of I'll just kind of go for it. Two one. I, I'm not confident we keep any clean sheets anymore, but maybe we score some goals. So two one Chelsea. Two one. Wow. Very mm-hmm. bold of you to predict us scoring two goals. It's bold yeah. to predict a win at this point. It's I'm bold to predict one. that the players will even get off the bus. <laughs> I'm going one one nil, and it's gonna be ugly. One nil for us or one nil? One nil, one nil for us, and it's <laughs> it's not gonna be some sort of pretty built up goal. It's gonna be ugly. Lukaku get the gets the start. Uh, yes, in my book, I think it's time to, to play Lukaku and play Ziyech with him. They seem to have a good connection. And hopefully Kovacic. Like, Kovacic I'm bringing also. everybody bringing everybody back from the dead. Give me some Ziyech, give me Pulisic, give me Lukaku, and give me Kovacic. Yeah. And Chalaba. Bring back Chalaba. Please. Dave, Lord. I like the 1-0 predictions as well. It won't be pretty, but I, we need the three points. Um, luckily, Spurs play Liverpool this week, and I believe Leeds have Arsenal, and Leeds, much like Everton, you know, relegation. So hopefully it could be like a double whammy. We win and the rest lose. I guess we'll just leave it at that. Um, if you guys aren't following us already, make sure you are on Twitter. Andres, what's our Twitter handle? At Blues on Parade. And uh, yeah, we usually drop an episode after every match. Make sure you guys are looking out for it. Let us know what you think. We also post a questions tweet after every episode. So if you're after every match, so if you're wondering how do I get on the show, that's how you do it. Look out for our questions tweet um, and uh, comment on it, and uh, you might get a chance at being on the show. So hopefully, three more points are on the cards. And until next pod, keep the blue flag flying high.